Hey, I'm Johanna Wagstaff. And hi there, I'm Rohit Joseph. And we're asking for 10 minutes of your day to go through the 10 things that the UN recommends we can all do when it comes to climate change. Please don't leave. No. And also the things (laughs) aren't new. We are just wired to not do them. We promise you to help you figure out your brains and you and your people can make better choices to combat climate change. 10 Minutes to Save the Planet is available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Now or Never, the show that celebrates what it takes to try and reminds you that you're not alone when you do. I'm Trevor Deneen. And I am Ifi Chiwetelu. And one of my good friends, Lynn St. Day, is in the middle of trying something very new to her right now. She is hosting a pop-up choir event and sending out invitations to everyone. Oh, people are coming. I know. Yeah. You're coming. It's in your heart. (laughs) It's just going to be the two of us doing a duet. You know what? That's fine. Yeah. You know what? That's okay. Can I just say, you're talking real bold right now, but in the group chat a couple days ago, Mm! my friend. Mm! Maybe even yesterday. (laughs) It wasn't even a couple (laughs) days ago. Yesterday, you were like, "Um, I think my biggest nightmare is going to happen. Yesterday, the biggest nightmare was that like I would show up at the music studio and there was nobody there. But then today, my brain, catastrophizing as it does, um, was like, hey, new biggest nightmare, um, waking up on Sunday and completely forgetting about the event. (laughs) Okay. Oh, my God. So Lynn is stressed, and with good reason. She has never done something like this before, but she has a vision that she is determined to see through. I see at least 30 people Mm. in this small recording studio space. I see a drummer, I see keyboardist, and I see a bassist. And then there's me leading the choir. We're getting into Melodies of Heaven. We're getting to some James Hall. And we're just vibing. It's a good vision. Where Where did this idea come from? I'm someone who grew up in church and I grew up singing all the time. I sang with people, I sang by myself. And now that church is no longer like a real part of my life, I felt for the last couple of years that I missed that. I really miss, you know, throwing my voice. So I was on TikTok as one does. And um, I saw this video of people in New York City just getting together, singing. And that was it, just to sing, sing choir music, just to sing. And I was like, ah, yeah, bet. This is for me. (laughs) It was a vision (laughs) that came down from the skies. I love it. I love it because you're not like an event producer no absolutely not i don't like to plan parties i don't like to plan anything i don't like to invite anybody anywhere i hate that stuff (laughs) and now here i am planning my own event what what is that for you where does that come from it's just i really hate asking people for things you know and i feel like if i'm inviting someone i'm like asking them to come to something that I'm doing. So take away from their time to come join me in an activity. That's real. Because when you do throw out an invite, like you're sort of saying, you know, this 
thing, this energy requires you. <laughs> and I can't control you, but I, I'm hoping you come. Seriously, honestly, I'm like the monkey emoji with the eyes covered when I send out an invitation. <laughs> I'm like hiding my face, like, oh my gosh, this person's gonna come or this person's not gonna come. They're gonna see me asking them for something. Uh... Uh, that's it. <laughs> and yet you're doing it anyway. I'm doing it anyways because I need this, okay? I need this in my life, right? I definitely have to say my pride is on the line because when I told my dad about this, he was like, it's going to be you and the choir and who else? Aww. And I was like, you know what, daddy? You're rude. <laughs> I was like, you're rude. This is going to happen. I was like, I got pull. I got pull. I can get people out. Can we check the event, right? Like how many, how many tickets have you sold? Huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> yes, last night we were at three. Okay. Why are you closing your eyes? Because I'm scared. Today, we are still at three. Woo woo! You Yay! Know what? You know what? It's three tickets sold. You know, yeah. I'm grateful. I actually know that you have one more RSVP. And that is mine. Cause hey, for the win. We love to see right? it. So it'll at least be a four-part harmony. Hey, you know what? I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. I will see you on Sunday. At Choir Sessions. At Choir Sessions. First edition. That's it. I've never been so excited and so stressed for someone in my life i'm so glad you said it because i'm very worried for my friend <laughs> and myself too because now i'm feeling like not only should i go but i need to make sure that i contribute to this event too like so that it's the experience she hopes it is everyone's stressed invitations they can bring up so many different emotions whether you're sending them out or for the people that are receiving them and that is why Ify, I do not leave my house ever. It is peaceful here. <laughs> well, today, Trevor, you have no choice because we are joining people who are waiting by the mailbox, finalizing their guest list, or prepping for their big events, all because of an invitation. Especially when we're doing a destination wedding and already asking people to travel and get hotels, asking them to add on costs to the bachelor party is a little bit ridiculous. I did feel a little bit of pressure to make sure that everybody felt included. If a program doesn't want me because I'm a female, then, you know, I probably don't want to be there anyways. We did our auditions because I thought this will be fun. It'll be a cool confidence builder for her. And so we got accepted and then they're like, okay, great. Uh, competitions in California. <laughs> We're like, wait, what? <laughs> and I will be heading to Lynn's event to see how it all goes. This is now or never. Thank you for RSVP. Yeah, BYOB as well. Yes. There are some invitations that can literally mean life or death. And that was the case for Makita Arlo last year. He was one of thousands of people waiting for an invitation to apply for permanent residency in Canada. But Makita's invitation didn't come. The problem was that the uh, Ministry of Immigration just abruptly stopped issuing the uh, invitations without any announcement. It was just like abruptly stopped. And I was caught up without the right to work, without the right to even 
literally stay here and I wasn't able to go back home because of the war going on back there. Makita is talking about Russia's war in Ukraine. Now he's from Belarus, which is an ally of Russia. So for him, going back to his home country simply wasn't an option. So uh, everything that you say against the war, against Russia, so if you support Ukraine publicly, you can be imprisoned. I was the one who organized a protest here in Canada, here in Toronto, and a picture of that was taken, and it was on some independent media in Belarus. So the government learned about that, and they came to my parents, and they told them, if uh, your son ever steps a foot on Belarusian soil, he will not make it past uh, the airport. And Belarus is a country with a death penalty. So for protests, that's what you can get. So for me, it's a reality that if I come back to Belarus, I might not stay alive. I might be executed for exercising my right to protest in a completely different country. For Makita, a lot was riding on this invite. So when week after week his inbox was empty, he started to get anxious. What was going through your mind each week as you like checked your email, like waiting to see if this invite would come? I was freaking out because I understand that my work permit is expiring. So I know that once the current one expires, I will need to leave Canada. Can you imagine like every single day that's everything that is on your mind that you may come to this situation when you will not be able to stay and everything you've done to this point to stay will not matter anymore. As you mentioned, you have this countdown and it's ticking away to your work permit expiring. And that happened. Like all of a sudden yeah. it expired and it passed through. Like, yeah. how did how did you cope with that in that moment? Um, I remember the day. Um, I remember that feeling when I'm just seeing the letter saying, Mikita, um, your work permit expires and you need to return to your home country within 90 days. And I was still at work, and I understand that I'm logging off for the last time. <laughs> I have to quit my job, and there is emptiness. There's literally like a feeling of emptiness and not understanding what's next, and even like not believing that the government lets it happen because. That's also part why I came to Canada for security, because you know that Canada, uh, overall, it's a very secure place. It's something where everything goes right. And uh, it let me down. So now you, you have no work permit. You have no invitation. How do, you, how do you get by in those moments? Yeah, you're cutting all the expenses. Yeah, I was saving. I, I didn't see my barber for six months, I think. <laughs> I have some pictures. It looks amazing. Uh, I was clinically depressed uh, at a time. I lost uh, 15 kilograms, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm not a big guy, so it was like in two or three months. So it was quite a lot. And every day you do feel like you just want to go to sleep as soon as possible. So this day ends sooner and it kind of cuts off from the weight and uh, something happens sooner. It's almost like a bad dream. That you just want to wake up and all of a sudden realize, oh, wait, yeah, I was just dreaming all that. Everything, everything's yeah. fine. I'm, I'm here. I'm safe. I'm good. Yeah, but every day you wake up and it's not a dream. <laughs> You're living it. Until I reached the point when I understood it's either I do 
nothing. Either I stay in my bed until <laughs> the end of day, or I get up and I do all I can. And at the time, all I could do was just to reach out to people with this situation and screaming that, hey, this is not okay, this is not my fault, I need help and I need to stay here. So I went to different immigration forums where I found a lot of like-minded people because, again, it was not just me in this situation, it was thousands of people. So um, we found out, we, we stalked <laughs> the immigration minister, so we just found out when he was coming to Toronto for some like random event and I was like hey we really need to get his attention so let's organize a protest next to that building we literally like assigned people who would be next to one exit next to another exit so we make sure that we do not miss Sean Fraser the minister of immigration at the time and he came actually towards us willingly <laughs> and thankfully uh, he said yes okay i'm listening mm -hmm. and uh, funny enough just few minutes uh, pass I start getting notifications on my phone, one after another, one after another one. It was like, I felt like Beyonce. I could just, so, so many that just kept coming. Apparently what happened, he's willing to announce a public policy that will allow people in my position to stay in Canada until the invitations to apply are resumed. I felt like a winner. I felt like a relief. I felt that finally, I made a difference. I made it happen. And I was very, very proud of myself in that moment. Where were you when you finally received your invitation? I was at home. I was having a very bad day because my scooter just broke down. And <laughs> I was very angry about that. And then I got an, a message, a text message from a friend of mine who was in a similar situation. Just all caps, we did it. And momentarily I knew what he was talking about and the next thing I see is the email that uh, I'm getting my invitation. Dear Mikita Arlo, we are writing to you about your express entry profile submission. We are pleased to invite you to apply for permanent residence under the Canadian Experience class. Thank you for your interest in Canada. Below is the list of criteria. I was crying. I was crying like a little girl. For, <laughs> for minutes. Was it relief? Was it excitement? Was it just being able to just finally just release all of these feelings you've been built up inside? It was a soup of everything that you just mentioned. I, I remember I was saying to myself, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, but, but still crying at the time. And it was everything. It was just such an emotional time. Uh, and everything was going on for about six or eight months. And maybe now, retrospectively, it seems like not that long of a time. But when you live through it every single day, when every single hour matters, and when you just can finally come back to work, you can finally mm -hmm. feel as a normal human being again, someone who is not discriminated, someone who is within their rights, it was amazing. I don't know how you just don't run out the door and start screaming and jumping in the streets. <laughs> just be like, I probably, Whoa! I probably didn't have the energy. <laughs> like again, after all that, I just didn't have any energy. Otherwise, I would. <laughs> and that's what I did later. I threw a big party with uh, friends. 
When did you become a permanent resident? January this year, I became the permanent resident. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> now, I understand, though, that there is like another layer of this. You're, you're waiting for another invitation this time with your parents' name on it. Why do you want to bring them here? I want to bring them to safety from Belarus, where they are right now. And I want a better life for them. As parents, they gave me so much when I was a kid. It's my turn now. What is that like knowing you're, you're doing this again, waiting? And it's different for them. It's more like a lottery system. So, yeah, it's completely different. But still, it's another wait. And uh, I'm very close with them. And it's very, very difficult to not be able to see them. And again, you're just, you're just waiting. Given your experience, how do you think the, the, the system could be improved? Like, what do you think should be done in the future to make this a, a better process? So right now, everything is just very centric on the uh, needs of uh, Canada. And that's correct. This is Canada and this is Canadian immigration program. So, of course, it should be centric, like Canada-centric. But at the same time, people in the government, I think, have to understand that they work with people. And everything that is happening is happening to real, breathing, living people. I remember the thought that I had to myself, these people put me through so much and they don't even realize that. And I always say that if you work with people, whoever you are, people must remain people in your mind and not numbers. So, yeah, just 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 be a human being. That's all. <laughs> just be a human being. That's a great message to end on. Hey, thank you so much, Makita, for talking about this. And congratulations again. Thank you. I'm very happy. You know, Makita has been through so much. And it brought me a lot of joy afterwards when he told me that now that he has his permanent residency, he can travel once again. So like any other true Canadian... He's already planning on somewhere warm to vacation come this winter. This is Now or Never. I'm Trevor Deneen. And I am Ifi Chiwetelu. And today, we are all waiting on an invitation. Ooh, I have one to send out. Do you mind? Yep. Get it. Oh, get into yeah. it. Uh, dear listener, I hereby invite you to stick around because this party, my friends, is just getting started. <laughs> a little later on the show, a Toronto dad entered a whistling contest with his nine-year-old daughter just for fun. And then everything changed. When I entered it, I, we were just kind of doing it as like a, a fun, fun joke. And honestly, I thought that the competition was not serious. I thought that it was like a bit like everybody gets a prize. I kind of assumed it was going to be online. Like I didn't know that it was in person. So we did our auditions because I thought this will be fun. It'll be a cool confidence builder for her. And so we got accepted and then they're like, okay, great. Uh, competitions in California. <laughs> and we're like, wait, what? <laughs> Find out how an invite to a whistling competition is bringing a father and daughter even closer together. That's later on Now or Never. All right, Evie, you know how much I love to watch football? Too much. Too much. I have spoken with your wife. She would like to have you back on Sundays. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> we had a rule when we got married. 
<laughs> but a few weeks back, I was actually invited to a University of Manitoba Bisons football game, and I don't think I've ever actually seen the Bisons play live. But some friends invited me, so I took my family with me, and little did we know that we were about to witness history. Can she go two for two? It's up, and it is good, no doubt about it. Maya Turner from 21 yards out. The Manitoba Bisons take a 27 to 24 lead. Yeah, it was really exciting. Um, I was definitely anticipating that moment a lot. I was, you know, pretty nervous um, just leading up to it. But, yeah, I was just really excited to go out there and get my chance to kick a field goal in, in a game that actually mattered. Manitoba Bisons have won this homecoming football game on the strength of Maya Turner! Maya Turner! It was so exciting to watch. And with that game-winning kick, Maya Turner became the first female to play and score in a Canadian university football game. And she did it in her very first homecoming game. And you can't draw it up any better than that. Maya's journey started south of the border in Maple Grove, Minnesota, where she grew up playing soccer. But after playing a year of university soccer, she wanted to see what else she could do with her kicking skills. It was always a bit of a surprise to people when, you know, like I'd say like, oh, like, you know, try to play football and they'd be like, oh, like they have women's teams. And I'm like, no, like <laughs> I'm going to try to be on a men's team, I'm trying to be recruited to, to a college team. And I'd be like, oh, like, good luck with that. You know, like, let me know if that happens. Especially a lot of the kicking camps I went to, I was the only girl out of like a hundred or so other guys trying to get recruited to good schools. And, you know, I knew like when I showed up, people were probably looking at me like, why does she think she's this good to like be here? Maya knew the only way she could get on a team as a late blooming kicker in a male dominated sport would be to contact hundreds of colleges and universities across the US and Canada to show them video footage of what she could do. Good job, beautiful 25 left. 30 right, great hit. Because in the world of university football, you need to get personally invited for a tryout. And out of those hundreds of teams Maya wrote to, one of the only major universities to respond was the University of Manitoba. What were you hoping that the coaches would see in your tape? Um, you know, I was hoping that they'd see me for the the talent that I had and you know and that I was good enough to compete at that level like regardless of the fact that I am a woman so yeah I guess I was just hoping that they'd just see it with an unbiased perspective. Did you ever worry at all that like as much as you have the talent and like that that someone wouldn't be able to look past the gender side of things? Yeah, definitely. Um, but, you know, at that point, if a program doesn't want me because I'm a female, then, you know, I probably don't want to be there anyways. I've been told by a few people that you are a bit introverted and don't like the spotlight as, as much. But at the same time, what you have done is very significant and a lot of young women look up to you for what you've done. How comfortable are you with that? Um... You know, I think it's it's really cool that like other girls can be inspired by my story and maybe see that 
You know, if another female is doing this, then it's definitely a possibility for them too. It definitely has taken a, a bit of getting used to, you know, with people reaching out to me and just like being aware of who I am and, and what I'm doing. But yeah, it's cool knowing that that I can be inspiring to other girls. I just want to play football and the only way I can play football at a level like this is on a men's team. So, um, you know, like that's been what I wanted to do. I just wanted to play football. So, yeah, I think the team does do a really good job of just like treating me as, as anyone else on the team. And um, right from the beginning, it was never like a big thing, like me being a girl on the team. Through all the support, which is amazing, you've had so much support from everyone, from the team, from like that. Have you received any pushback from from anyone throughout this whole process? Um, I mean, not like to me directly. I feel like obviously, like when things are posted on social media, <laughs> there's definitely some some comments of you know people who who don't think I should be here. But um, you know, it's people I don't know. I, they don't know me and. What do you want to say to those people if they're listening right now? I guess just, like, wait and see what I can do. Because, you know, they don't believe that I can actually compete and, like, kick as far as, like, a man could, right? Um, Because I haven't gotten a lot of those chances yet. But I think, you know, once I've been on this team for a bit, I think it'll just speak for itself that I do deserve to be here out of my abilities and... They're not just putting me on the field because I'm a girl. All of this came from an invite. One invite. How, how much has that changed you? Um, I mean, yeah, it's definitely completely changed my life for sure. You know, my life is so different than how it was like a couple of years ago when I was playing university soccer and, you know, I wouldn't change it for anything. I guess I'm just like enjoying myself so much more than than I thought I could be playing a university sport, so that's pretty cool. The Manitoba Bisons have won this homecoming football game on the strength of Maya Turner! Maya Turner is the game winner for Manitoba! I asked her, how do you top kicking the game-winning field goal in your first ever homecoming game? And she told me that she'd love to be able to kick a game-winning field goal in the playoffs. Ooh. Yeah, and they just made the playoffs. <laughs> I love that. Maya Turner for MVP. Now, speaking of invitations, Evie, aren't you supposed to be at an event? I very much am. At the beginning of the show, Lynn St. Day shared her hopes and a lot of her fears around inviting people to an event that she is putting off that so far only has three people attending. Mm. I'm getting ready to head there and I'm going to bring you all with me. That's coming up later on the show. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced the Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of the Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at the Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. This is Now or Never. I'm Ifi Chiwetelu. And I'm Trevor Deneen. And today we're inviting you to discover just how powerful an invitation can be. 
powerful. Powerful. Trevor Deneen, is that how you feel about <laughs> invitations, that they're, they're powerful? Not all invitations, but I will say this. An invitation changed my life or the direction my life was going in because I don't know if uh, a lot of people know this or not, Evie, but how I got the job at CBC was probably different than a lot of people think. I was invited to a friend's wedding and both the bride and the groom worked for CBC. So there's a lot of CBC people in the audience. And they also gave me the chance to do a speech at the wedding. And it was a last second thing. I think it was, I was told like three days before if I could do this speech. And so I went up there, I gave a speech. I had a lot of fun doing it. And then when I got off the podium, a bunch of these CBC managers and, and people who work there started coming around me asking me, hey, what do you do for a living? Where do you work right now? And I was unemployed at the time. And so I was like, I got me a lot of free time on my hands. And they said, hey, do you ever think about working in radio? And I said, uh, no. And they said, come on down. And they invited me in for a little, little chit chat. And that ended up getting me a three-week contract at CBC, which ended up turning into a traffic reporting job. And that morphed its way into hosting this show with you, Ifi Chiwetelu, for the last seven years, which is wild. <laughs> Look at you now. Look at us now. You really never know where an invitation is going to take you. Huh. Good folks, if you just arrived in Middle Lounge, we're going to Los Angeles on Air Canada Flight 791. Hey, Samidatin, I think you better put your iPad and earphones away because we're going to get on the plane soon. Ben Shannon and his daughter Samile Watanabe Shannon are sitting in the Toronto airport about to set off on a very unique adventure together. I have always loved to whistle since I was little, and uh, now my daughter and I are going to a whistling competition. <laughs> my name is Samile, and I'm nine years old, and I like to whistle a lot. <laughs> She's not kidding. <laughs> Her sister can't whistle, and her sister is often saying, like, stop it! <laughs> but yeah, I whistle all the time. I, my dad whistled, and I, I just was like, that oh, seems like a fun thing to do. And it's more casual, right? Like, you, can, you could, can't really sing in public, because that's drawing a lot of attention to yourself. But you can, somebody can casually walk by you whistling, and it doesn't seem that odd. Casual whistling, I understand. I mean, I, I can't do it, but I can understand it. But a whistling competition, I am going to need someone to say more things. Well, I will be that person because Ben and Sumile have been invited to the Masters of Musical Whistling International Festival and Competition in Los Angeles, California. Oh, the MWIFC. Oh, yeah, yeah you've heard of it. <laughs> no, <It's>... I haven't. <laughs> well, let me tell you, the people involved take it very seriously which was a surprise for Ben. When I entered it, I, we were just kind of doing it as like a, a fun fun joke. And honestly, I thought that the competition was not serious. I thought that it was like a bit like everybody gets a prize. I kind of assumed it was going to be online. Like I didn't know that it was in person. So we did our auditions because I thought this will be fun. It'll be a cool confidence builder for her. Cause, and like she'll get to see that like this is a thing that is impressive and so we got accepted and then they're like okay great uh competitions in california <laughs> and we're like wait what <laughs> but but thankfully we had a lot of air miles from being at home for three years <laughs> and shopping online so i figured why not it only happens once and it 
it'll definitely be a story for her to tell. <laughs> but yeah, it is a bit like just being a friend with your kid instead of being a, a parent. And that is, it's a fun connection, right? Where you can, we can even out, like she can come up to my level and I can get down to her level and we can goof around together. We will be introducing Mr. Ben to the crowd. Mr. Ben? All right, that's me. Until now, I wasn't sure if this whistling competition would be legit or not. But talking to uh, Carol, the lady who's like one of the one of the judges, and she she was like very serious. <laughs> she said, "You are obviously a casual whistler, and you need to uh, practice." I suddenly realized, like, oh yeah, this is like a serious deal, and they they take whistling very seriously, and they don't want us to make a mockery of it. They want it to be respected as an art form. And uh, her, her main thing was practice. And so I have. <laughs> so she, so that we are taking it much more seriously than we originally thought. Like before I go to sleep, I practice with my dad. It seems fun, but I'm scared too. Cause I'm gonna be watched by a lot of other people. You can close your eyes and you won't even see them. <laughs> Yeah. I don't think it's going to be as many people as came to see your school play. Really? Yeah. And there was a lot of people there. You got up on stage and you were amazing. My only hope for this entire thing is that she has a good time and knows that, like, it doesn't matter how we do or whatever, that this is just like a fun, fun experience. And I think getting up in front of a crowd is kind of an important skill to have in life and if she can do that now I already did it before I know and you were so casual at it like I was very I'm still nervous when I get up in front of people I was really nervous though right and that's if you do it a few more times then it won't feel like anything you'll be able to like all right I'll get up I'll get up there it won't mm -hmm. be any problem at all It's the day of the big Masters of Musical Whistling competition, and we're in a theater on Hollywood Boulevard. Samile is dressed in a rainbow cape and beanie, Ben is in a suit with a fun bow tie, and they've both been practicing nonstop. But it's time for Samile to take the stage after a little pep talk from Dad. Doesn't matter what happens tomorrow, you're incredible, right? You know in your heart that you practice so hard and you're doing so good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and well, again, how much did you say you were? You were how much excited and how much nervous? 99% excited and 1% nervous. That's perfect. <laughs> awesome. All right. First up now, we have Ben Shannon from Canada. Not a movie. Oh, bad lip reading. I was a teenager in the 90s and the, basically the window I view the world through is one of irony and cynicism. <laughs> it's just so fun and interesting to 
I don't know, just be a part of something that is not ironic and just like really earnest and joyous. It was really, really sweet. In second place, Sim Lee Watanabe Shannon. Sumile, congratulations! Incredible performance! Step, step, step forward. Yes, there you go. Incredible. And level one, first place, Ben Shannon. It was fun? Mm -hmm. So glad you had fun. That's awesome. That's all I ever hoped for. 700 feet. Turn left on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh my gosh, darling. I, I had the best time with you. Hey, how surprised were you when I won? Really surprised? Yeah, I was really surprised. I'm so, like, that's crazy. I'm mostly proud of you. You did amazing. I mean, like, this is your very first time. You're a kid. What an amazing memory for both of them to have moving forward. Absolutely. And the pictures and videos are as much a part of that memory. You can check them out on our CBC Now or Never Facebook and Instagram. I'm Trevor Deneen. And I am Ifi Chiwetelu. And one invitation that I have seen so many people agonize over is wedding invitations. Oh, the dreaded wedding invite. Yeah. Trying to put those things together. That is a beast. <laughs> it has gotten to the point that I take zero offense at not being invited to a wedding because I know just how much people really think about who can make it, what they can afford. I tell people, like, just send me a picture. I'm happy to celebrate you from a distance, unless you are a close friend, in which case, if you do not invite me to all the wedding things, you're dead to me forever, <laughs> which uh, is what Robert Keller is in the middle of weighing as he finalizes the guest list for his bachelor party. Who do I need at my stag? Um, the obvious choices would be the groomsmen, um, all my close friends that I hang out with every day. So we got Tyson, Kyler, my dad, nephew, who else was invited to the wedding? Um, Robert and his fiance are planning a destination wedding in Arizona next spring. And Rob has been so worried about leaving anyone out for the wedding or for the surprise stag party that he has been procrastinating on the invitation lists for months. For my friend group, stags have historically been very important. Um, we have, as a group of friends, done many, many exciting trips and journeys that created a bunch of memories that I can't really talk about. <laughs> My steak party will be planned by my brother, who is the best man, um, my former roommate, who is a groomsman, a cousin of mine that is a groomsman, and another friend from out in Vermont. 
I've been on the other side. I've been the best man several times and had to plan these things. And when we did that, we tried to keep the groom as much in the dark as we can. So I'm definitely getting a little bit of that back right now. I'm very excited for it. I love the idea of having a surprise. When you're sending an invitation in this economic climate, there is a lot to consider, and it's definitely on Rob's mind. So much so that he created an elaborate system in hopes that he wouldn't leave anyone out or ask too much. I was really struggling because there are people who have more money than other people. There are people that have other things important going on people who've just had their second kids or having marriages, um, especially when we're doing a destination wedding and already asking people to travel and get hotels and that kind of thing, asking them to add on costs to the bachelor party is a little bit ridiculous. I did feel a little bit of pressure to make sure that everybody felt included. Um, the group got to the point where they were hounding me and I needed to come up with a list or an idea or something because I was just putting it off. Finally, I actually opened up my computer and opened up a Word document. And I started typing names of everybody I wanted there. And I actually started moving people up and down the list to put them in kind of groups of who would make sense to invite Ultimately, I ended up with, I believe, a four-tiered grouping of people I'd like invited. My worst fear about this would have been that I didn't think of somebody. Somebody slipped through the cracks that wanted to be there. But I'm also to the point where I've come to the realization um, of the people that I've selected to be in my wedding party. I trust those guys with my life. I can trust them with my bachelor party. Um, I'm sure there will be people that say, oh, shoot, that looked fun. I didn't get invited to that. But if anybody is offended or misses out and is hurt by it, I do apologize. Um, but maybe someday we can just sit down and have a beer one-on-one. -on -one. Trevor, I, I appreciate Rob's struggle. But let me tell you, if any of my friends lets me know that they tiered and ranked me, mm -hmm. we're about to have the most confrontational beer <laughs> ever. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot join my chat group with your friends then because we've ranked everybody. Well, I know I'm number one, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> now, this next couple has navigated the stress of wedding planning all before when they got married 20 years ago, it was the uninvited guests that they were worried about. There were concerns from our friends and family about our safety. Um, my colleagues were concerned that somebody was going to poison our dogs. Someone was going to come and do damage on our property. So we got the security in place, we got the video cameras everywhere, and that's not the reaction we got. We got support. When Wendy Young and Tess Healy first wanted to get married, same-sex marriage was illegal. So they took it to court. 
Wendy and I had been together for five years. We wanted to have a wedding to mark our relationship and we weren't allowed. For me, I'm Irish and if you're going to step back from a fight, you might as well put your second foot in the grave and lie down. We embarked on this fight and we became part of this court case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. Ontario was first, now British Columbia has gone down the aisle allowing same-sex marriages. Today, the province's highest court lifted a one-year moratorium on the practice, clearing the way for gays and lesbians to legally wed. That court case helped legalize same-sex marriage all across Canada and set the stage for their wedding. We were parade marshals for the Pride Parade that year, and then I said to them, can we do can we get married? Because the court case was so public, the marriage should be as well. And the parade ended up at Clayley Tene Park at the Bandshell. And that's where we had our marriage. In, on stage in front of everybody. everybody. Everybody that wanted to come could come. When your first wedding involves the Supreme Court and 400 people at a pride parade, how do you top that? Well, you don't. You recreate it starting with the invitation. So this is the invitation we created because originally we didn't get an invitation. To the table of marriage. They said it couldn't be done, but we did it anyway. Mm -hmm. In honor of the 20th anniversary of the victory in achieving legal same-sex marriage rights in BC, Ontario, and Quebec, and the 20th anniversary of our legal wedding ceremony, Tess and Wendy are renewing their wedding vows. They would like you to come and bear witness. And that would be the invitation. 20 years after their first wedding, Tess and Wendy are still worried about who might show up. Wendy always worries if she walks into a church, it'll crumble. Pillars will shake, yeah. ceilings will fall, crumbling everywhere. I think that Though I, I have been feeling fear, actually, around the vow, re vow renewal ceremony, if it comes out that we're doing this and somebody who's really opposed hears it, do we have to fear somebody attacking? Well, I think we're in an angry world right now, but that's not going to stop us. Mm -hmm. It's not stopping them at all. Wendy and Tess are getting their boutonnieres ready. Well, we can do this. And they have their exact same outfits from years ago. Wendy in a black tuxedo and purple cummerbund, and Tess wearing a floral tea dress and white Edwardian hat. They are minutes away from walking down the aisle at the Hart Pioneer Center Hall in Prince George. We'd be honored if you signed the guest book for Tess and Wendy. Happy 20th. Please, please remember spelling count. <laughs> We're opening up oh, the celebratory cider, or the uh, celebratory apple juice, actually. Sparkling apple juice. They worked so hard on this, not just for themselves, too, but for the community and for future generations to have the same rights as everybody else. And while well, they renew their 20-year vows, is like uh, beyond words beyond words. I was at the, the wedding of Tess and, and Wendy 20 years ago 
and uh, I happen to be here today, 20 years later, at the renewal vows. You know, they they made it so that it felt like anything was possible. So, you know, to be able to love who you want and to be able to marry if you want and, you know, to just have that basic human right. And so, yeah, I, I it just reminded me of how incredibly brave and amazing the two of them are. I've often said that the thing I like the best about Wendy is that she can make me laugh. And that might sound trite or shallow, but in fact it's really deep. So if you're a person who's had struggle in your past, it's very easy to be in dark places. And Wendy finds a way of working me through the dark times. If you can't use humor to bring somebody into the light... It's supposed to be what I think of you. Sorry. <laughs> Not you. Def <laughs> what do I love most about Tess is that she's my balance. When I'm down, she brings me up. When I'm up, she tethers me. And if I need a voice of reason, she also provides that. May Wendy and Tess so live together that the strength of their love may enrich our common lives. May we who have witnessed these vows find our lives strengthened and our loyalties confirmed. Still together after all these years? Yes <laughs> and when. Twenty more years. <laughs> Cheers to you, Tess and Wendy. Congrats. Now, we started the show today talking to Lynn St. Day, a friend of mine who was very stressed about an event she had invited people to. Yesterday, the biggest nightmare was that like I would show up at the music studio and there was nobody there. But then today, my brain, catastrophizing as it does, um, was like, hey, new biggest nightmare, um, waking up on Sunday and completely forgetting about the event. <laughs> The event that Lynn is planning is called Choir Sessions, and it's for fellow gospel music nerds who miss singing in church choirs. And as you can tell from the level of panic, Lynn doesn't regularly host events or anything like that. She is just a person with an idea who created an event listing, put up flyers, made food, rented studio space, paid for musicians, all hoping people will show up. So I am headed to see if they do, and to support. Hello, hello. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Everybody looking fresh. Hello. Everybody looking good. <laughs> already, already with the run. Right? Yes. I, uh, I want to ask you how you're feeling. Uh, nervous. Yeah. Um, nauseous. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm feeling. I'm definitely feeling a little bit nervous because I'm like, oh my gosh, who's coming? Who's coming? Yeah. And you know, since it's the day of, I'm getting messages like, oh, Lynn, I'm so sorry, I can't make it. And I'm just like, okay, okay, it's fine, it's okay. We're gonna just come eat snacks, sit, and then the musicians are gonna play music, and then we're gonna go. <laughs> Will we sing? I don't know, but yeah. we're gonna have a great time. It's already, I'm seeing like. 10 people, I'm going to say. Yeah, the, and, and the energy is good. The energy is really good. And yeah. it doesn't matter that those 10 are mostly like, you know, 
the people that you hired to be here. You know, and um, that's fine. And also uh, to add to that 10 is going to be my parents. So um, that'll be nice. Yeah. So (laughs) it'll be what it'll be. Exactly. exactly. I'm glad to be here, though. Thank you. I'm glad you're here, too. Okay, let's go sing. Maybe. (laughs) So things are starting a bit slow, but people are trickling in. And while it is mostly family members, two people came across the event online and just showed up. And Lynn and her co-organizer, Fadia, are very excited, but they're playing it cool. Yay! Oh my God! God. I'm going to cry. Why am I crying? I'm not crying. I'm not crying. You are. It's okay to cry. I've never seen two people so excited to have two people come to their event. (laughs) You know what? We won. We won. We won. Absolutely. Trevor? Yes. Guess how many people came in the end? 120. Oh, gosh. I wish. You're about 100 people up. It was around 20. That's still a good turnout. Yeah, and I think most importantly, Lynn is happy. I'm feeling really good. Yeah? Yeah, I'm feeling really good. And everybody's been saying good things, so mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just have a big smile on my face because I'm really happy. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's a success to yeah. me. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad. I'm really glad. Yeah. Even though it's not 30 people, it's cool. Yeah. It's good people. Yeah. <laughs> has it made you think any differently? I know it's still happening, but has it made you think a bit differently about, because you are, like you said, you're not someone who likes, who, who always wants to put it out there and tell people like, hey, come do this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm definitely like encouraged because if the little that I did brought out this amount of people, I think I'm ready to do more to bring out like even more people next yeah. time. Saying this is worth the stress. And the uncertainty and, and all of it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of you, though. Yeah, thank It's you. a nice vibe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really happy. Good for her. Like, that's putting yourself out there. And, like, I'm, I'm proud of her. I don't even know her. And I'm proud of her. <laughs> Me, too. And also so relieved because I was, I, was, I was a little bit worried. A little bit worried. <laughs> You can check out pictures and videos from that event and from our guest today on our CBC Now or Never Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to be petty and you're waiting for someone to respond to an invitation of yours, or maybe you're waiting to be invited somewhere, send them this episode of the Now or Never podcast. They'll, they'll get it. They'll understand. Big thank you to our team of producers who helped put this show together. Sarah Tate, Bridget Forbes, Tanera McLean, Katie Swales, Betsy Trumpner, I'm Trevor Deneen. And I am Ife Chiwetelu. Take care, everyone. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.